The mission of Between the Lines is to create a deeper understanding of our world and a greater appreciation for our role in it. Hi, I'm Barry Kibrick, and I created this podcast of our Emmy-winning series so that you can listen to it at any time and anywhere. Please subscribe to the podcast, for I will be uploading at least one new episode every week. And if you enjoy it, consider becoming a patron of our series by going to barrykibrick.com. Can we dissect who we are in order to operate with greater knowledge and reverse the trend of our negative thoughts? Hello, I'm Barry Kibrick, and in part two of my conversation with Robert Greene about his magnificent book, The Laws of Human Nature, we open the doors of awareness to create a deeper understanding of our inner selves in order to have a profound benefit on our own lives and the world in which we live. Between the Lines with Barry Kibrick is made possible in part by Patreon. Patreon helps creators build and run membership businesses, from podcasters to writers, musicians, artists, and more, with tools that allow their fans to become patrons. More information is available at patreon.com. Robert, welcome back. For those who may have missed the first episode, the first episode was on the actual laws of nature. We got into it as much as we could, but what we wanted to do in this episode is now focus in on how do we apply the knowledge of the laws of nature to ourselves. So as you now are officially doing the second episode, now you even topped your old record as being the guest on most of the show. So thank you, Robert, for being here. Thank you for having me, Barry. I hope it's not the last one. I hope not, but I don't know where you can go after this book. (laughs) I've got to tell you, it's got everything in there. So the, the first and foremost thing that you tell us when we are studying the laws of human nature is we must develop Patience. Did you notice how I even slowed down as I did yeah, that? Right. We must develop patience. Yes, um, because, you know, a lot of us, a lot of people are interested in self-help and wanting to change themselves, wanting to get over their bad habits, etc. It's a huge genre. I'm within that self-help genre. But I believe that we really only change ourselves in small, incremental ways. It takes... Almost like when you're exercising, you have to repeat something over and over and over again until you get better and better and your muscles get stronger and you remember certain moves. Well, changing yourself requires the same degree of patience. It's going to require a lot of becoming aware of who you are, aware of your nature, aware of how emotions govern you. And it requires these sort of daily steps of taking little baby steps towards changing some of these bad habits. And I give you many exercises in this book. So one example is, I want you to become a better observer of people around you and not someone who's so intensely self-absorbed. I want you to notice people's nonverbal communication more than you do. And I want you to start tomorrow with five, a five-minute exercise of taking somebody that you think you know well and observing them closely without that interior monologue and gleaning one nugget of information of something you never realized about them, about how 
you know, a certain way they laugh, a certain tenseness in their face, something that it gets them excited that you didn't realize before was in their nature. I want you to do that on a daily basis, and slowly you'll build up the ability to observe people better, which is one of the critical skills you'll need for this book. One of the critical things that you say, in fact, in order to do that is you have a chapter called The Law of Short-Sightedness, and it says that you have to elevate your perspective. That's basically, it's kind of what you just said, but in a sense, now this is almost like stepping outside of yourself and looking at it again. Yeah, the, 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 the thing with, with that chapter is um, we tend to be locked in the moment, and we all, and it's getting worse and worse in this world with technology and social media, where, you know, I used to read the newspaper in the morning to get the news, and I thought that was pretty current, and now, wow, that's not even current anymore, because by the time I get the New York Times, it's all been changed. And so we're so locked into these very short cycles of time. We're locked in the present. And we've all had the experience where, you know, we did something, and then a month or two months later, we realized, God, that was stupid. Why did I send that angry email? If I had only not sent it in that moment, I wouldn't have got into this fight. I wouldn't have alienated that person. We realize after later what we did wrong. And that's because time gives us perspective. And I want you to be able to have that perspective in the present moment. So you don't send that angry email. You wait till the next day or two days, and you get the same degree of farsightedness that you have a year later when you look back at your own stupid actions. Well, you say don't see the passage of time as an enemy. See it as your ally, because that's so many of us are trying to beat the clock, so to speak. And you're saying do the opposite. Don't see that passage of time as a negative. It is your ally. It's there to work for you. It's the source of wisdom. I, ha- I have a, at the end of the chapter, I have a quote of Ralph Waldo Emerson, which is one of my favorite quotes, which just basically says, the years teach us what the days cannot teach us. In other words, with the passage of time, with the passage of years, a one year, five years, we learn something that we had no idea about you know, earlier in the past. So experience can be an extremely valuable tool. We learn if we're wise, if we're self-aware, if we can criticize ourselves, we can say a month later that this choice I made in the present to, to get this particular job or buy this product was the wrong choice. I made a mistake. Why did I make a mistake? Go back and analyze, you know, what, what was the source of it. So if you let time educate yourself and let, it, let the passage of time reveal to you how you were kind of foolish and how you rushed into some action, you can begin to change some of these patterns and become more of a far-sighted person. If I say that we're trying to become human, that this is an ideal, that human quality that I think is superior to any other living creature that ever existed on this planet is the ability to look into the future and see where we're headed and adopt a, a course of action that is more rational than what our emotions would normally gear us towards. Well, speaking of that, you say, in fact, one of the laws is the law of self-sabotage. That's because we shape much of our reality that we perceive dictated by our moods and emotions. And you said even in our, our first uh, 
episode together was that that that's the one thing we have to gain control over is that. And this is a, a key is that we must do it because if we're dictated by our moods and emotions, we can be led astray since they are feelings and not that we'd want to negate them, but we can be led astray. Yeah, this is a very important chapter on what I call your attitude towards life and how your attitude towards life determines how people react to you and what you get in life. Imagine you out there, audience, if you could suddenly be free of all of your negative emotions towards other people, if you could drop all your resentment and all your bitterness, how your mind would suddenly be free of all this weight. It would be an incredible feeling. You have that power by changing how you look at the world. You know, you said how you resent others, but I think you have to even be more gentle and kinder to yourself as well. And I know that's something you reinforce here in the book. But you do something in this attitude chapter that I think is even deeper. And I want to read this because you say, finally think of the modern concept of attitude in terms of the ancient concept of the soul. That that soul, because there's a difference between the spiritual and the soulful. The spiritual is from outside of us or transcendent, but the soul is within us. And if you're looking at attitude as what is our soul, that is a powerful awareness. Well, the way I define it is the soul was initially a concept of how to think of us as individuals. Each person has a particular soul that is that is infused in them from spiritual forces. Now, I try and take it a little bit out of the religious context. And I say, the way you look at the world, your attitude, how you see things, is really indication of your soul. And this soul can be expansive and open, which I think is a beautiful soul, an open, expansive soul, open to life. Or you could have a negative and constricted soul, The negative, constricted person is veering towards soullessness. And what that that means you're governed by fear. You're governed by anxiety, by hostility. And life is something that's incredibly immense and vast and, you know, is, is something you can never begin to comprehend. And if you open that, your attitude, if you make it something expansive, if you drop your fear, you drop your anxieties, you drop your, your judgment of other people and your hostility. You kind of open up yourself to life, to everything that's going on in life, and you stop judging. That is an expansive soul. I would classify that in this book as someone who is full, who is soulful, as opposed to someone who has a narrow, narrow view of life who I would consider soulless. And one of the ways you say for us to develop this soul is look inward when you make mistakes and look outward when you have success. Yes, so the tendency that we have um, when we have success in life is to think, wow, I'm great, I deserved all that, I'm just a wonderful person. And when we have failure, is to point the finger and say, damn, that, that person caused me to make a mistake. Damn, it was my upbringing that's wrong, or my parents didn't give me this. That's why I made this mistake. Okay, and I want you to reverse that. I want you to tell yourself when you have success, stop looking at how great you are and credit 
the people around you that helped you get there, the teachers in your life, the mentors that you had, the people who supported your work, all of, the, all of that that went into becoming who you are is something that you must credit and realize played a very important role in your success. And the, and the mistakes you make that, you, that we all make in life, look inside and say, this is what I did wrong. This is how I can correct that. It wasn't that other people forced me into it or that circumstances. No, there's something within me that caused me to make this mistake and to analyze that and then to learn from the experience. You say this is the ultimate key. Develop a sense of purpose, your calling in life. Once you hear it and understand your purpose, there will be no going back. Yeah, so one thing to, to connect that to human nature is that unlike animals, we are not programmed. Animals are governed largely by instinct. They don't have to wake up. My cat doesn't wake up in the morning and go, hmm, what am I going to do today? Am I going to hunt mice? Am I going to just sleep on the patio? No, the cat is kind of programmed by its instinct. We wake up in the morning and we have no programming. We could do a hundred different things. I could go, I could have studied law, I could have become a doctor, I could have become, you know, a hundred other things. I could be homeless by now. My life is filled with endless possibility. And I believe that that is deeply, deeply disturbing to the human animal. The sense that you have no direction, that you don't know where you're headed, that you're aimless, is the cause of depression. I think it's the number one cause of depression, that people have no sense of purpose in their life. They don't know what, there's, what, to, what is governing their decisions. They don't wake up with a sense, I need to accomplish this, I need to go ahead and do that. And I want, you to, I want you to realize that having a sense of purpose is the most powerful um, factor you can have in your life. It will, it will, I call it a force multiplier. Knowing what you were meant to do, knowing what you, know, you were born to do, destined to do your calling in life, gives all of your actions a force and a power that is ten times what other people have. And that purpose comes from understanding what makes you unique, what you, Barry Kibrick, were intended to, to accomplish in this world when you were born so many years ago. You were meant to create this show and to bring to, the, to hundreds of thousands of people your wisdom and your ideas about books. You were meant, and you found your calling in life, and it gives you purpose, and it makes you wake up in the morning feeling excited and hungry. It's the same thing for everybody out there. Well, first of all, thank you, Robert, very much. And there is an, an element to this that you bring out, too, and that is authenticity. You, it has to be authentic. And I think that's probably the hardest thing for us as humans to realize, or at least for me, I have to admit, even as I have this purpose, as you said, am I being authentic? It's a constant questioning and, and authenticity when you come to feeling that within you, I believe that's also a force multiplier, just as, you know, your, 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 your purpose is, is when you feel it with authenticity. And there is a difference, I think. Yes, no, it's very important. Um, the great psychologist Abraham Maslow called this impulse voices. And what he meant was that as a baby, 
we felt these impulses that told us we like this food, we don't like that food, we like this person, we don't like that person. These are signs of something very personal and individual to us. And when we get older, we tend to stop hearing that impulse voice and we hear what other people say. Other people are telling us, Barry, you need to become... You, you shouldn't have gone into television. You should have become a lawyer. And I then, probably would have been better off. By no, way, no, <laughs> never, never, never. You would have listened to these people who are constantly telling you who you are, what you should do, what you should like, reinforced a thousand times in social media. This is what is cool. This is what's not cool. And you lose a sense of yourself. You become a reflection of other people's desires and other people's interests. And you're no longer who you were, who you were when you were three or four years old. You become this creature that's just like everybody else. You're a carbon copy of others, and you lose that power, that uniqueness. And what is authentic about you is what is peculiar about you. So many times, particularly when we're adolescents, we grow uncomfortable with what makes us weird or peculiar. And it's that peculiarity that is your strength. If you look at anybody in life who's successful or who's powerful or who you admire, you have to step back and admit they're one of a kind. There's nobody else out there like Steve Jobs. There's nobody else out there like this person or that person, you know, like, like Michael Jordan or whomever. And it's because they mind their uniqueness, they're comfortable with their weirdness, and they brought it out in their work and they made it the source of their strength. And one of the things you say that we have to be comfortable most with is our dark side. And in fact, you say, embrace that shadow embrace that dark side that you do that and you've really come a long way baby yeah it's not that you okay so we all have what i call a shadow it's a concept from carl jung it's when we were children we were forced to become nice and polite because our parents wanted us to be a certain thing they 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 said this behavior is good that behavior is bad and everything that we were told was bad we repress because we want to please other people because we want to be social animals and and get along with people. So we repress qualities within us that are generally viewed as aggressive or dark, you know, aggressive impulses or selfish desires. All of these things go into our shadow. And if we keep repressing them, they end up controlling us in weird ways. And I want you audience to be more comfortable with that side of your character because you are a complete person like you were as a child and those dark impulses don't go away they lie and they stay inside and they stew and they come out in passive aggressive behavior i want you to be aware of your shadow aware of your dark impulses i want you to embrace and accept them you don't have to constantly vent them you don't have to be destructive but you have to see them and I want you to realize that that stuff that goes into your unconscious, the stuff that you've repressed about yourself, those secret desires, are actually the source of great creativity. All of the greatest artists in the world mine their unconscious, mine their dark side for their energy, for their creative powers. Will you even say that it's in the unconscious that most of this lies, that most of our wisdom, that most of our knowledge, that most of everything lies is in the unconscious. The conscious is only a finite amount that we are conscious of. It's the unconscious that is practically infinite, if not infinite. 
Well, this, this should be a moment, if you realize this, and I'm trying to bring you to it in the book, that should shatter your whole viewpoint of yourself and other people, to realize that 99, 98% of what you do stems from unconscious impulses. You don't know why you go around making certain choices, why you bought that product, why you woke. Ask yourself this tomorrow. Why did I wake up in a good mood? Or why did I wake up in a bad mood? You'll never figure it out because it's unconscious. You can't understand where it comes from. And so much of what you're going around in your day-to-day life and what's happening inside your head, you have no idea where it comes from. That should be a mind-blowing revelation. It should make you aware that you don't really know what's the source of your behavior. And when you come to that realization, you will have some, some humility about who you are, and you will also be curious to learn more about this, this unconscious part of yourself, this shadow. You know, this reminds me a little bit of what you also said, and I think it was something to do with, with Freud, but it was when you realize your smallness to some extent, there's also an awe that comes along with that, because you realize then you're as important if you're, a, I think it was something like a drop in the ocean, right. you're as important as if you are as grandiose as you can be. There is this connectivity through all of history even, you say, but it is that smallness that could make us sometimes feel what we would call awe. Well, you know, we try to always um, get a, a feeling of self-esteem from being an individual who's great, who's superior, and it causes sometimes causes us to do weird behavior, like always trying to get attention, etc. And there's nothing necessarily wrong with it. I'm not judging that, because I, even I have that impulse. I want attention. I want people to acknowledge me as being great or superior. But the other thing, way you can look at it is the human species, where we evolve from, is this incredible story, you know? I want you to step back and realize this, realize this sort of awesomeness that, that you are alive, that you are here in this moment, and that you, an individual out there, are part of this immense chain of humanity going, how, I, can't, I don't know how many billions of humans have ever lived, but all of the knowledge they accumulated, they're becoming conscious and aware. They're creating civilization and history and the wheel and tools and the Gutenberg Library and Leonardo da Vinci. That's all within you, you as an individual. And feeling connected to that giant web of humanity is a great feeling. That can make you feel great, as well as getting recognition for your own work. And there is one thing that we do have control over. And it's undeniable, and you strike it with a hammer, literally. And you say this, it is persistence. Almost nothing in the world can resist persistent human energy. Things will yield if we strike enough blows with enough force. I can't tell you that I know persistence in my life is what allowed me to do what I do. That's right. And you have a lot of forces against you and a lot of things, reasons for not doing what you're doing, and yet you persist, which is what makes you great. Um, Yes, I have that in in the chapter on aggression and how to turn your aggression into something positive. 
And I think of persistence as a form of aggression, which is basically, I'm going to get what I want in life, and I'm not going to let obstacles stop me. I'm not going to hurt other people along the way. Okay, that's part of the code here. That's not, that's not aggression used in proper way. But I am not going to let anything stop me. And a human being who has that persistence can get whatever they want. And so there's, I'm saying that nothing can stop somebody who's determined to get to reach a goal. And if you develop that attitude, it's a really powerful way to take your own aggressive impulses that can be destructive, that can turn to, towards hurting people, and can actually be channeled to something productive and create contributing to society and creating a new a cause or creating a new business or some new great artwork is that sense of persistence it's immensely powerful human force and robert i am so glad that you have that persistence and i want to thank you oh, for thank sharing you your knowledge you of very. the laws of human nature thank with you. us and you're going to stick around for a little bit and i'm going to really show you persistence folks i want to thank you first for joining us and you're going to see persistence when we check out our new feature called afterwords and all you have to do is go to barry Kibrick.com, and you'll see it. It's a chance for me and Robert to tackle a few issues that we didn't get to discuss here. And the one about persistence, we're going to hit home because Robert just recently suffered a stroke and his own use of the laws of human nature really helped pull him through. So thank you for joining us. And before we do go, I want to leave you with these few more words from the laws of human nature. In the present moment, we lack perspective. With the passage of time, we gain more information and see more of the truth. What was invisible to us in the present now becomes visible in retrospect. Time is the greatest teacher of them all, the revealer of reality. I'm Barry Kibrick. Time is the greatest teacher, for it allows us to see clearly between the lines. Thank you, Robert, so Thank much. Thank you, Barry. My pleasure. Yeah. To become part of the Between the Lines family, go to barrykibrick.com. There you can join our book club, participate in Q&As, catch past episodes, listen to Barry's podcasts, read his blog, and experience exclusive online features, all at barrykibrick.com. Between the Lines with Barry Kibrick is made possible in part by Patreon. Patreon helps creators build and run membership businesses, from podcasters to writers, musicians, artists, and more, with tools that allow their fans to become patrons. More information is available at patreon.com. Thank you for listening, and please subscribe to our podcast so you won't miss a single episode and support our mission by becoming a patron at barrykibrick.com.